Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week. I'm your host, Aaron Osborne. Um, this week is an awesome episode. My guest is Nigel Melder from Mindsnare. Um, I've been sort of keen to get Nigel on for a while and uh, it's been really, it was a good opportunity to have a chat with someone who, you know, has contributed a lot to the landscape of Australian hardcore, I'd say, through both through Mindsnare being an incredibly influential band to a lot of people namely one of those myself and my band um but also uh contributing in other ways through booking tours and working on tours and um releasing records on his label trial and error um he's done a lot of stuff and he's been around for a while and he's got a lot of cool stories and yeah i i thought it'd be a good opportunity to have uh, someone on to share some of that stuff with us um but yeah it was a really fun chat i've known nigel for a while obviously it was Nice to have a beer with him and talk about all these sorts of things. Um, but yeah, uh, real quick, some things that I want to spruik. Um, I'm involved with the production end and assisting with uh, a new podcast um, hosted by my friend Ben Searle, who, if you pay attention to this podcast, was a guest a couple episodes ago. Um, uh, he's doing a podcast called The Bad Times. And I'm just going to run you down the brief of that. Um, so Bad Times is... It's got a new podcast, obviously. Uh, it's going to be taking a look at some of the biggest and most interesting news stories of the week. Um, each week, Ben will sit down with guests and talk to them about what we can learn from those news stories and finding out what the guests think about um, the stories as well. Uh, it's not a serious podcast, obviously. It's going to be pretty chatty and pretty silly and pretty funny. Um but yeah, it's going to be really cool. I did a pilot episode with Ben the other day and we've been working things out for it and I'm really excited for what he's going to come up with and what the guests are going to come up with. Um, and the first episode will be online next week. Um, so for all of that, go to Facebook, uh, The Bad Times Pod, same thing on Twitter, same thing on Instagram and uh, the SoundCloud is The Bad Times Podcast. So uh Keep an eye and an ear out for that. That'll be online next week, but I'll post about that a little bit closer to it. But yeah, that should be really cool. I'm really excited to work with Ben on that. Um, I think it'll be super funny. So if you like the funny side of things, and not so much the music side of things, that's going to be sick. Um, Other than that as well, I'm working on uh, some cool stuff for this podcast that I will announce shortly. Um... I got some ones happening in Brisbane in the next couple of weeks that I talked about last time. Um, stickers came in; they look awesome. If you've ordered some stickers, thank you very much. I'll be sending them out today. Um, and yeah, we got shirts still on that web store as well. If you want to buy that, um, otherwise follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and things. Just search Oblivious Maximus podcast will come up. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I exist to playing some shows at the end of the year, but I'll talk about them closer to that. But yeah, thank you very much, as always, people for tuning in. Those people who are brand new to the podcast after hearing the one with Ross last week, welcome. Thank you very much for listening to that too. Um, Yeah, that's enough talking. Uh, This is Oblivious Maximus, episode number 23 with Nigel from Mindsnare. Brutal!
go. Nigel, thank you for coming to my house. Talking to me. You're welcome. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I start all of them off by asking people how they got into music as a child or a youth or what was the first thing musically that gave you like drive to be interested in it? Uh, it was, I guess it was a combination of things when I was, I guess, I don't know, probably five, six, seven, eight, those, those sort of early years. Yep. I used to spend a lot of time at my grandparents' house and my uncle I had an uncle that still lived at home. Yep. You know how that, yeah. Yep. One of those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. One of those guys and they just never move out. Yeah. And they live in a single bed. Well, that was him. <laughs> and he used to play, and it's funny because I kind of liked some of it at the time and I didn't like all of it at the time, but he played a lot of 60s English pop. Okay. And not just the Beatles, but, you know, whether it was the Birds or... And, and back then, I guess this was the 70s, there was a lot of compilation records yeah so he would buy you know songs of protest one songs of protest two songs of protest yeah, yeah. three you know what i mean so there'd be a lot of folk music um you know or it'd be the faces so it was really a really broad range but his thing was really about uk yeah stuff so and at the time i, I liked some of it and i and i didn't like some of it and it's funny so the stuff that i didn't like like stuff like the birds now i really like yeah but at the time, I didn't get it. Yeah. I think that happens to a lot of people. That I know for sure that there was things like my dad listened to when I was a little kid that used to give me the shits. Because yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, we heard this song this many times. And then when I hear it now, I'm like, look, I know every word to this yeah. song. Like, um, Yeah. So I was, I was like that. And it's look, it's really hard for me to remember. But the couple things that are sort of really they, they stick out was obviously Kiss. Mm-hmm. Because I think when did they come out? They came out in 79. Yeah. I was eight. Yeah. So you could get, well, back then it was the the Sun in the Morning or the Herald at Night. I can't remember which one. But yeah. But you could get iron-on stickers. So, you could, <laughs> you know, you get iron-on to your T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. So you could get you could get Kiss iron-ons and things like that. And when you're that age, like, that's crazy. And I didn't, I didn't have brothers or sisters, but one of my friends, his brother was right into Kiss. Yeah. So we got into Kiss by default yeah yeah and then when i think i was about 10 i was given back in black mm-hmm. on tape for my birthday yeah um and i look to be honest i don't know if i'd heard acdc before that i probably did yeah right my old man had already split by then mm-hmm. um and my mum's like a christian yeah and when i say a christian like she's just she listens to like Back then, easy listening radio was yeah. as vanilla and white yeah. as possible. And when yeah, you already the, heard Kiss, there yeah, was no and, going and back. it'd be the Seekers or whatever. So I was never getting ACDC. I didn't. I never got ACDC from her. Yeah. Um. I don't think I got it from my friend, but I was given. I was given Back in Black, and I, you know, loved it. Mm-hmm. And I got to choose a tape. Yeah. At the Chelsea Record Bar, <laughs> it wasn't even called a record store. It was called a record bar. Yeah. Back in Chelsea, and um. And I chose Unmasked. Fuck I was yeah. just like, I gotta get the new Kiss. Of course, yeah, because I don't, think, I don't even think I'd heard it. Yeah, um, and I guess if you talk to purists or older dudes, you know, people would rag on that record. Yeah, even though it was like the last makeup record, but to me, because yeah. like you know, it's a place in a time. So I yeah. love, 
love that record. I, I like it too. It's fine. So that's funny. <laughs> I, I, I got into that and then once again, didn't have, you know, usually people talk about brothers and sisters. Yeah. Didn't have that sort of thought. And I didn't have a lot more being pushed at home. Yeah. Live with my mum. And then once I was sort of like 13, 14, new friends at school, like one of them, actually his older brother was a bass player in Bastard Squad. Mm -hmm. So I got into like a lot of UK punk around then. Right. But I also listened to a lot of new wave mm-hmm. because you know you're 14 or whatever and you listen to joy division yeah and it makes total sense but then new order was new yeah yeah like new order were putting out i was like oh this is the dudes from joy division and they're putting out records and yeah. you went you know you cash a train into the city to go to the record store because you couldn't even find records like that at you know chain stores or whatever in frankston or chelsea or you know in the suburbs you had to go to those specialty stores in the city the record bar and, wasn't stocked yeah, up Ch- on yeah. Gary Newman's hits. Yeah, Chelsea record bar. <laughs> yeah, they were pedal and kiss, but there wasn't much more. Yeah. Um, so then you, you go into these independent record stores. You know, or we'd even go to cent- like it's probably even hard to fathom now, but we would go to Central Station because they would have stuff like New Order. Yeah, like maybe that's where you would get New Order from, mm-hmm. or some of that new wave stuff. That I don't know. If, I, mean, I guess it's dancey for what it is. So. Through my teens, I, I probably it was UK punk and new wave, but I also wasn't the brightest kid. Yeah, like you know, I used to get drunk and sing along to Six Pack. Yeah, I never got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because we just be, you know, like every, well, I guess like a lot of people do. You know, you just smoking bongs. Yeah out of this shitty makeshift plastic thing in someone's garage and you know, yeah. it's half plastic poisoning half yeah. half <laughs> the little bit of THC that's in I was the ratty weed you it's, have it's half like shitty tips and stuff and the other <laughs> half is like a plastic high yeah yeah you know listening listening to stuff like that so I kind of heard Black Flag you know and Misfits and all that sort of stuff around then but it didn't really gel mm. like I can't I'm, I'm not you know claiming Though I did really, you know, Master of Puppets when that came out, that was, I first heard that up the train station on someone's boombox. Fuck yeah. Like, fuck, I remember. That's I great. should have been, I should have been at the, um, the English exam. Yeah. And I'm listening to Master of Puppets on, you know, there's probably 18 D-sized batteries in the back and <laughs> the back cover's probably falling off. That's great. Yeah. So, and then really, I also smoked a lot of weed back then. Yeah. And drank a lot of booze. Yeah. And just skateboarded yeah so we kind of I know, so it was sort of interspersed with all those yeah it was really weird well. and then i guess once i was once i hit 18 and then i had a car had a job and go skating a lot and sort of made different friends and then also back and then that was also for me that was like 1988 or whatever 1989 mm-hmm. skateboarding videos were kind of accessible yeah like you still had to wait and this is probably something that people can't comprehend, but you could go to Morty Surf Center or Morty Surf Shop, whatever the fuck it's called, mm-hmm. and you'd be on a two and a half week late list wait to hire Bones Brigade 2. <laughs> like, they've got three tapes. Yeah. And Just put your name down. Yeah, you've got to put your name down and wait two and a half weeks yeah. to hire the VHS. Yeah, that's crazy. And then you'd go around to your mate's house with a VHS, and you'd, of course, you're going to tape the fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. 
but you still have to wait two and a half weeks just, <laughs> just to get, to get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And there's like another three weeks of dudes behind you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then you start, you know, and this, probably the Santa Cruz videos, you know, they had a lot of the SST catalog and stuff like that. So mm. I kind of got into it through, I, I probably took a lot more notice of what I was listening to. Yeah. And well, then, you're more aware when you're of that age as well. When you're a kid, you're kind of just like, Oh, I was in dead shit. Like, yeah. I was total dead shit. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't. I didn't get. I didn't get half of it, and I didn't even care to get it. Yeah, like I wasn't. We weren't. We were listening to it because whoever's garage we we're at, they had it. Yeah, like I wasn't turning up with tapes going. Oh, we're gonna listen to this. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. I couldn't give. Like we were like sweet. We got someone to go and smoke weed after we skated. Yeah. It's just fucking unreal. Is so, gonna, is oh, the backing be, sounds are interesting. Yeah, is there gonna be girls? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's all I gave a shit about. Yeah. So it probably really wasn't until I, I sort of got older that, and I could buy records and, you know, go to record stores and then, you know, talk to people and also go to shows too. Like once I started going to shows and, and meeting people, I guess for me, it had more of a connection. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know why. So, did, could, so were you at the time when all this, you know, Fucking smoking bongs in people's houses and stuff. Was that around the time that going to see bands became like prevalent, or did uh, that come? Yeah, no, I was I was seeing bands back then, but yeah. I wasn't. Um, it was probably more alternative bands than metal bands or he- like right. you know you'd see a few heavy bands. Like I never went to see View Ballroom. Yeah, um, we tried to get in once and couldn't get in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean, that's, I mean, that was probably 85, 86 or something. Right. But what we did do was go to a lot of shows in other pubs, mm-hmm. um, and like see stuff like, I don't know, fuck back then it was like painters and dockers or, um, I don't know. I can't, I'm drawing a bit of a blank here, but we did back then fake ID was really easy. Mm-hmm. It was a you know, technology wasn't as flash yeah. as, it, as it is now. It had no holograms. Well, we used to, all you'd have to do was you'd photocopy someone's driver's license, yeah. change the change the dates with like a letter set or whatever. Like, I don't even know if people know what letter set is. You know what letter set <laughs> no, is? No idea. It's like you get the letters yeah. and there'd be, be like a contact sheet of all the... Right, it'd be right. like five L's, five M's, five okay. M's and you rub on them like an, with a pencil on the other side yeah. and then they would... It, it, it was like stuff adhesive. It. Right, okay. So you could do that and then you just have to like soak it. We used to get like a food dye because for some reason, birth certificates were blue on one side and white on the other. Yeah. So you could just do that. Or if you were really fucking tech and we even did this at one stage, we made fake IDs with our school logos and yeah. it was once again, it was like letter set and cutting out logos and putting it through a laminator which now just seems like the easiest thing on earth. Yeah, back yeah. then, it was a lot of work. It <laughs> couldn't just go. There was there was no office works. Like it was, yeah. you had to jump through hoops. You had to labor over this thing for a but while. But you did it, and yeah. you'd get in everywhere. So you'd, yeah. you'd go. You know, you'd go to the old Greek theater in Richmond, or you know, back then the corner was a bit different. The stage was in a different spot, mm-hmm. and there was lots of venues. And you'd go see a bunch. Like you'd go see. I spit on your gravy, or that. That was the kind of stuff. That I was seeing, and that's probably more because the guys that I was yeah, the people you're associating yeah, with. yeah, the so. guys that I was hanging out with. Well, you're um, not going to go see something at that at that point in your life. You haven't confirmed like, oh, I can go watch a band by myself. 
Like oh, you still no. like no, nah, there's no way you're going you're, to a group. Yeah, there's no way, and there's usually someone older or mm. or whatever. Yeah. Um. But I was definitely a lot more into getting wasted. Yeah. Than going to see a live band. Yeah, sure. Definitely a lot more. Because mm. we used to just go to pubs. Yeah. With fake ID and just drink and do whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like it didn't matter. And back then too, it was funny. Like we used to go to this. Let's go to this one place called the Karen. I was telling Jerv this story the other day. We went to this place called the Karen Tavern and I was like 15 or something. Yeah. With fake ID and they just play six. And this, once again, all these things kind of, it's weird enough. It loops back to that uncle that I was mentioning. Yeah. Um, that it was just like a psychedelic night at this pub in the city. Yeah. And I was on the dance when I was dancing with this chick and I was all psyched. Yeah. And uh, I'm like drunk and just going, this is amazing. I can't believe this chick's dancing with me. Yeah. In the end, it was actually an undercover cop. (laughs) She dragged me out. So she must have been dancing with me just to take the piss out of me and have a bit of fun. That's so funny. So we went to a lot of things like that as well, where you just go to like 60 psychedelic nights or whatever. Mm. Like I said, there was a lot of weed involved. Yeah. Um, So you go to things... Lots of different kinds of bands, yeah. I guess. But but I wasn't flat out going to bands. That really didn't come until I was about eighteen. Yeah, for me. And so, what what was the thing that kicked off the interest in, you know, like what was what took you from going to those things and the more alternative things to to going to like punk and metal and that sort of stuff? Well, the day I turned eighteen, I went and got a job. I went and got a job at a pub in Frankston, mm-hmm. and it was like this shitty nightclub. It was it was a it was a, it was a venue, but it was also a nightclub. Yeah, it was a bar and a bistro and all this other shit. Sure, um, but the, the two biggest, the main reason why I went there is because it was a nightclub, and I just thought, sweet, there'll be chicks. Yeah, that's me. I'm like, it's I, the best I, place to work. I got kicked out of school. I'm going to TAFE. There's chicks here. I'm going. Fuck, how? I just got a boys' school. I got kicked out of that. Yeah, I'm like, this is unreal. I'm going to get a job at a bar. Like, this yeah. will be the best thing ever. And did that. And it's funny, I, one of my best friends to this day is one of the first guys that I met when I started there. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, the, the first day I got there, there's a dude wearing a sperm bird's long sleeve. My yeah. God rides a, um, I got to ride a skateboard t-shirt. Yeah. And I skated, but I never heard the sperm birds. Yeah, yeah. I might have, look, it might have been in a thrasher and I just took no notice yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But for me, that was, I'm just like, oh, what the fuck's that? Yeah. You know, so then... Like the next day, he's like, here's a tape, Sperm Birds. So he was there. He's not the guy I'm talking about that I'm still best friends with, but then this other guy. And then we'd go to shows and we'd go see, you know, we'd go see Sonic Youth or we'd go see Mud Honey or we'd go see fucking whoever, Yeah, you know, is, is playing shows. So all of a sudden I had these guys, which was almost like having big brothers. Yeah, sure. And, there was five, and it was funny too because there was five, six guys there they were all into this kind of music, mm. but it wasn't like a cluster of friends that went and got a job there. Yeah, like right. One was a doctor. Um, one was like a dead shit dropout. Yeah. One was a tradie who just hated his apprenticeship. Like it was all different people from different backgrounds. Yeah, right. In different suburbs. And the time and the place happened to click it was, for it. I just think that there was a lot of people. There just seemed to be a lot of people that were into different music. I mean, that's how I found out even... Back then, and I just missed it. That's how I found out about the Eastern Dark. And then by that age too, there was a pub called the Baxter Tavern, and they get a lot of bands. The Hard Ons would always come down and play there. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever they came to Melbourne, they'd always do a show down the Baxter Tavern. So there was always bands like that coming through as well. And that surf culture was real big. Yeah, with those 
kinds of bands. Sure. So it just, all of a sudden I had a bunch of dudes that always wanted to go to shows surrounding me and then met more friends through skateboarding and it just kind of went that way. Yeah. So it was, it wasn't, it wasn't really like there was a epiphany. There wasn't a holy shit. There wasn't someone forcing anything down my throat. I kind of just found it. Yeah. As I went along. Yeah. Just floated through. Yeah. Got to it. Yeah. It was, which is kind of good too, because a lot of stuff that I got into back then, I still really like, like I didn't jump on anything because it was a fad. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. It was just, it was like a natural progression. Yeah. Sure. For everything that I was doing. And so when did, when did playing music come into that then? I think when I was 20, I went and bought a bass. Yeah. And I never played bass. I never Mm -hmm. played guitar. No one ever showed me. Um, And I got asked to join a band. It's really weird. I got asked to join a band when I was about 19. I didn't, didn't get up. Well, I I sort of got asked. I go, hey, can you sing? Yeah. I'm like, "Uh, nah, never tried it. Yeah. Like, oh, you should have a go. I'm like, oh, nah, nah, nah. But that was dudes that I knew from going to shows. Sure. And it ended up being um, Trent. And the band ended up, that the band that he wanted me to sing for or try out in was Steadfast, which those dudes then went on to do Mid-Youth Crisis. Mm-hmm. And Steve Steve from Mid-Youth was actually singing in Steadfast. So that was, right. you know, one of the things that I probably would have been auditioning against him. I'd never been in a band before. Yeah. Like, like I would have had a fucking chance. <laughs> you know? yeah. But all of a sudden... I didn't really know. I mean, we knew, I knew the, the, that bass player from Bastard Squad, but I didn't really know people in bands. Yeah, you're and, just going to shows. Yeah, and, and it was still people that, it's still people that weren't that accessible. Sure. Like they were still. They were on the stage and you yeah, were at the bar. Yeah, it wasn't like your, your, your brother's in a band or your girlfriend's brother's in a band. Or yeah, yeah. Your, so I never had that. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden I'm hanging out at, you know, whether it was the art house or the Great Britain Hotel or whatever it is, and I know all these dudes. I'm like, oh, fuck, it's actually, you don't have to be this fucking wizard yeah, yeah. to play in a band. It's not that hard. Yeah, yeah. So we all just went out, and I, I bought a bass, and when this other guy bought drums, and a friend of mine was going to sing and stuff. So we just went and bought stuff. None of us knew how to play. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty much, that's how it started. Yeah. So I never, I never really got, I never got taught. The only thing that I ever did that I ever sort of, wanted to stay true to is that I made sure I didn't play with my fingers. Yeah. Because I was from Frankston and Frankston in the 90s was a bunch of dudes who loved Primus. Yeah. Running around <laughs> with like dumb beanies down to their ass. Yep. Thinking Les Claypool is some kind of god and <laughs> fleas like the Messiah. Yeah. And all these assholes playing shit music. Beach and weed. Sort yeah, of yeah. Brings you it can, all together. You can imagine. So I pur- <laughs> I purposefully was like, no matter what happens with this instrument, I'm never going to use my fingers. Yeah. And now I, I'm really bad at playing bass, so it probably doesn't matter. But I kind of wish I had a learnt. Yeah. Just so you had something else for it. Yeah. But I'm not a very good player, so it probably doesn't matter anyway. I'm probably just, with a pick, I get away with it. Yeah. So that's cool. That's how it works, boy. But, yeah, I just bought a bass and we just started a band. Like, there wasn't much thought put into it. Yeah. It was and, all and all what, of a sudden, we knew people that were doing it and they were good people. And what what was the first sort of music that you ended up playing? What did it... What was that? Oh, look, it was this real mix of punk and hardcore like we did fuck like was it covers and stuff oh yeah definitely we had to start with covers yeah but so we covered everything from wire minor threat um 
oh, what else do we cover? Gorilla Biscuits. Yeah. Um, so pretty... We might have even done a Fugazi cover. We were pretty into that DC stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was wasn't metal yeah. by any by any stretch. Mm-hmm. It was you know oh, we did Dag Nasty. I think we tried to do a Dag Nasty cover. Um, it was kind of earlyish melodic hardcore. Right, right. But then but then like actually you know you know what because we did a new Bomb Turks cover. Like I said, we did a Wire cover. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was punk through to sort of punk influence hardcore maybe. Yeah, yeah. Did a Huskadoo song or Huskadoo song. Yeah. Um, I'm from Franger, so we call it Huskadoo, not yeah, Huskadoo. I've, I've only ever called it Huskadoo as well. Yeah, that's so. an Australian thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's an Australian thing. Just totally ignore the umlaut yeah. or whatever. Well, in Franger, in Frankston, people used to call Sepultura Sepultra. Yeah. Same thing in Canberra. Yeah. The same thing Just there. Bogans, just going, oh, I'm just going to call this. Yeah. I'm that's mate. what they're called. Yeah, that's what, that's what they're called. Who can speak Brazilian? <laughs> yeah. That's what they're called now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how how long like what was the progression for that then was it like okay now we've been doing this punk band for a while would you start meeting other people and did the band sort yeah, of yeah we sort of there? Uh, look not not because of the band I think we we're probably those dudes that oh those guys got a band yeah like we kind of knew everyone and the scene was really small mm-hmm. um the scene was really small so it wasn't we got a few shows here and there yep realistically we weren't that good you know we were lucky yeah. to play at the richmond club hotel on a wednesday night yeah you know like like this is awesome you've given us a show like yeah. that was you know pretty much where the band was at you know i get i don't know what today's equivalent is yeah maybe first on it next yeah <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that's where we're at now <laughs> you know what i mean or yeah. fucking i don't know you know, opening up at Phoenix Youth Center. Yeah. On Sunday at eleven AM when yep. there's twelve bands playing or something. Yeah. <laughs> like we were pretty A like, festival of some kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we weren't good. We yeah. weren't good, but you didn't really have to be back then. You were just involved and you were yeah, you, know, you were kind of doing stuff. Yeah. And it's funny too, because unless you were around back then, it's not like there was a bunch of hardcore bands or a bunch of punk bands or a bunch of punk pop bands or a bunch of like there wasn't like nearly every bill was a mixed bill because yeah, there was only X amount of bands. Well, I think I, I think as far as I can tell, and maybe it was just because of where I was at the time because I was in Canberra, but I feel like people in like my age are the last people that saw that yeah playing shows where we were a death metal band opening a pop punk show, hmm. and between us and the pop punk band would have been some like a new metal band and then like a dad rock band from the same school and every there was a ton of people there just because everyone they knew was playing yeah. and it was five bucks or something yeah, and i fully. think i think that honestly ended like <laughs> two or three years after i finished school like would, that would has you, what what year was that uh like when i the Mid-2000s? yeah like the early 2000s I, I i put a lot of these things i attribute a lot of things to the rise of the internet mm. Because that's what changed everything. Yeah. All of a sudden, people became snobs. Well, I mean, people became sport for choice. Yeah. Well, it was and, the same. It doesn't same make it right or wrong. It's just no. It changed. That's how it changed. Yeah. It was the same thing for me as well, in the sense that, like, again, I only see this in like people a couple years younger than me. Is that like, I still wasn't in a position where I could download albums. Of course not. I could get a song, but it was only the single, and it took 
five hours to download one song mm. and we had one computer and if you used it the mum couldn't use the phone so i could never <laughs> download a song for five hours yeah, yeah of course. so i'd have to go and buy a 42 dollar cd from you know you buy some crappy compilation cd yeah exactly like you couldn't like and i think that legitimately ended like just after i you know my age group or whatever but like that i i see that as like a total line in the sand where like people up until that point you really had to like bust your ass to find Mm. things and you've had to find things from like getting the roadrunner magazine and things like that like that's how i fully you get stuff you get a mail order catalog yeah you know what would blow kids minds these days is if, oh, I want to buy the new Northlane CD, so I'm going to send, I'm going to go to the post office. Yeah. I'm going to give the dude at the post office $22 and my ID. Yeah. And he's going to write me a, uh, what is it, a postal order? Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to send it to Unified. Yeah. And Unified's going to look at it and go, ah, shit, we're out of Unified, we're out of Northlane CDs. Yeah. What was his second and third choice? Ah, yeah. oh, sweet. I'll go <laughs> pick him a Hand of Mercy CD. Here's those things, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like... Kids today wouldn't even comprehend. You would have to write choice two and three as yeah. backup. And shit, if you wanted to buy like three records at once because you were splitting the order with people, yeah. you'd need like nine backups because <laughs> you don't know what the hell's going to be in stock and what's yeah. not going to be in stock. I, I and you can't just list one backup because one record might have been for you, one record might have been for your mate, and the other rec- like Yeah. I remember when I'd do those Roadrunner things, you'd always get... you Well, like, like you said, you'd almost definitely never get the thing that you wanted and then when then they'd chuck in all this free shit to sort of pad out Hmm. the fact that you didn't get it and i remember i can't remember what i ordered something awful but then received i received i can't remember shelter or something some some, one shelter record something something shit (laughs) and then i got two mini cds two super heist mini cds super heist and i couldn't play them on anything because because you didn't have that little I inner, didn't have the tray. little inner thing yeah, so yeah, yeah. nothing would work but we went to one of my friends' houses that had one of them and we put it in and it was like whatever single they were releasing and it had a like it had a music video on it as well it had the song and then yeah, the music yeah, video for the song and it was like clicking the you know you'd have to click it and then it'd open up and it was like so tiny on yeah, the screen yeah. and so pixelated and. We, it was like five of us like, holy shit, it's on this tiny little disc. Like, <laughs> look at this awesome thing. Like, Yeah. It's but so it was fun. like that. You you wouldn't even know what you were going to get. Yeah. Because it was mail order. Yeah. It's not like, you, I mean, you know, maybe you could be lucky if you're in the States. If it was a very or someone, you could ring them. Well, I I, I remember really. distinctly those, the Roadrunner one was the, like the one that I was sort of the biggest into because... I guess because they must have had an office here or something, or they, yeah, they did had, had an a office in representation here or whatever. Yeah, and um, because I just loved everything that was on it. Yeah, the whole catalog. Everything almost. was like yeah. this is the best label of the world. And then after I got over like Slipknot and Typo and all that stuff, then I was like, oh, five years before that, they had every death metal band. So then I just got, started buying all the older things. Yeah. Yeah, I just started working backwards basically. Yeah. You go backwards. And like, but yeah, honestly, 
the thought of doing that now, even for me as an adult, the thought of like having to give someone a list of things without having the choice of just oh, like no looking way. at it on my phone. There's no way. Like, you're not in never, charge. You're in charge of what I get. I gave you money. Yeah. What the fuck. Yeah. That's yeah, so weird. It's, you, unless you were there, it just doesn't even make sense. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, it doesn't make sense. It's so foreign now. Um, and no matter how punk a mail order is these days, yeah, they got their shit together. They work yeah. on spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah, they got stock quantities in their in the outbox <laughs> or in their cart. Yeah, they know. Like, like, they oh, know everything someone just bought it. This is now out of stock. Yeah, like, they know what's going on. Yeah, it's not flying out of just some some one dude sitting there going through boxes yeah, trying fully. to figure out what's left. Well, I still got this. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I guess when. Being that, like, you grew up and you, you know, were involved with sort of, I guess it, like, the punk and metal and hardcore scenes in Melbourne, like, forming, when... when fi- oh, I would say forming. But, I mean, I mean forming... Happened in, a long time before we came for, Forming in the sense of, it's the, like, what has it now influenced the current model? Okay, okay. You know? Like, I would say for people like myself, and then there's people, obviously, considerably younger than me now, mm. but... For people like me, we, you know, uh, you know, started out on top of things that, you know, people of your age bracket did well, you know, years before us kind mm. of thing. So when, when that started happening for you, when, when was it like, when did the band stuff sort of start taking more of a serious portion of your life up? Um, well, it, it, look, it kind of took a serious portion in the sense that, if you wanted, ah, oh, look, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't take long before it became serious. But <clears throat> serious doesn't necessarily equal professional. No. Or serious doesn't necessarily equal getting paid. No. Because back then shows were like two or three bucks. Yeah. You know, and there'd be five bands on the bill, and sound yeah. guys gonna get paid, and mm-hmm. and by, you know, and there'd be sixty people there. Like by no way is that a hard luck story either. But we were still serious about it. Like you still, you know, you rehearse every week, mm. um, which is, you know, I'm now in a band that rehearses every year. <laughs> so, so, Come a long way. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, we've got our show for the year booked. We better rehearse twice. Yeah. yeah. You know? And then that one of those gets canceled. <laughs> but, you know, you, you would, you would someone rehearse. Someone breaks an arm. What's that? Yeah, someone, someone breaks, breaks an, an arm. arm. You would rehearse, you would rehearse every week. And we were also rehearsing every week for, for, because we wanted to, like, yeah, we were, yeah, like we didn't have shows. There wasn't shows every second week. Yeah, we weren't putting out records every eight months. Yeah, like we were rehearsing just because we wanted to be as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. But it was also a hang and it was fun and all that kind of stuff. So I guess it was serious-ish from the start, but it was never. And look, maybe looking back with rose-colored glasses, but it was never overly serious yeah like we didn't we didn't have a lot of arguments because people were holding the band back yeah like right. that never happened mm. we didn't have arguments about how the fuck are we going to get on such and such a tour or how do we get to america or how do we do it like those things never happened because yeah. no one thought that we didn't want to do it and we did go to a couple of places yeah and we turned down more offers than we accepted yeah but we weren't, there was also a bit of a ceiling. So you never dreamt big. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you look at what a band like 
Parkway's done. Yeah. Maybe. Well, fuck, even look at Vicious Circle to this day. Like, the band has been around for a fucking long time. Yeah. And they still tour Europe. They still make, you know, they still work hard. And they and obviously, they, you know, those guys at that age yeah. are spending their annual leave yeah, away to from their families yeah. and touring in Europe, which is also fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can, you know, it's no different to playing golf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Going away on golf week, you know, go yeah. away with your mates for that. So, but we never kind of did that. And to be honest, I think if we were that, I guess now we're talking about Minds now. And yeah. I guess, to be honest, if we were that kind of band, the band would never have survived. Yeah. Like, we're not, we're, you know, Gordy's been in the band for like 15 years. Yeah. But we were a band for like seven years before Gordy came along. Yeah. And that went through five drummers. Yeah, like, fuck. me, Matt, and Belty must be the worst dudes on earth. Because we were, <laughs> So when what they were you, either we were either sacking them or they were quitting just before they got sacked. So when with when, the exceptional bomber, when Minds and started, what was like? What was the? How did that come from where you were before that though? Like what led to? Well, I, no, I had nothing to do with the start. Yeah. Belty and I both joined after about a year. Okay, um, it was Matt. It was Matt and Brad. Yep. Brad also played in Samsara. Brad played in Within Blood. Brad wrote the first Blood Duster record. Mm-hmm. Brad did all those sorts of things. So Brad and Matt went to school together. Yeah. And then there was Annabelle. He was tight with Matt. And then there was like this dude Skull from Franger was in the band. I think that was the first lineup. And Bomber on drums, mm-hmm. who also played in 28 Days and now he's in Depression um, and a few other bands. And they they started, pretty much started as a New York hardcore style yeah. influence influence band yeah but those guys like when they were you know 14 or whatever they're they're sitting around listening to dri i mean i listened to dri when i was 15 as well but i wasn't listening to the record over and over and over and over yeah, yeah i was like yeah this sounds really cool you were hearing it while can you we were go smoking bongs <laughs> yeah can we go out now yeah like yeah. whereas those dudes they'd be sitting around or they'd be listening to destruction or they'd be fucking you know, listening to, you know, septic death. Learning it or, as yeah, they were going. Like that's, yeah. And that's what Matt and Brad <clears throat> and Bomber, that's what those guys really were. And they, but when they started this band, they were like, we want to be fucking, and you can hear it, that very first Mind Snare record, Under Fire, mm-hmm. those riffs do sound like a cross between New York Hardcore and Celtic Frost. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what it sounds like. That's what the fucking riffs sound like. That's what I, I love listening to. I fucking love Brad's riffs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, you know, those within blood riffs are fucking sick. Yeah, they're great. Like the dude writes unreal riffs. The mm. Samsara riffs, once again, sick riffs. Yeah. You know, so that's what those guys were doing. And they they started that band. And then I think, and once again, they didn't start the band thinking they're gonna be around for twenty five years. They yeah. didn't start the band thinking they're gonna you know, I like for them it's like, oh fuck, if we can go to Adelaide, we can go meet or we can go stay with Greg from Spiral Objective. Yeah, yeah. Or if we go to Sydney, we can stay with Sean No Deal and Scott from Toe to Toe. Yeah, yeah. Like, in 93, that's... That was the objective. That's, there. like, unreal. We're going to get to Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, they're going to go play the Lansdowne. Yeah. Um, and Belton and I didn't join until 94. Like, yeah. I think Annabelle was kind of over it, and it was still Bomber. But, yeah, Belton and I joined in 94, and I went to two guitars. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't really until... Then Brad was over it, and and then it just it sort of became what it became. And then Belty started writing. And then the thing that Belty brought in is he brought in a very similar background to Matt. Mm-hmm. So he was listening to all that 
kind of stuff mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, so they had a lot in common. So then that's pretty much in 97, that's when we sort of became more metal. Yeah, yeah. I guess. And lots of people sort of was like, fuck that band. They're a metal band now. And yeah, right. Now all the other kind of bullshit that happens when a band changes their sound after one record. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. And a big lineup change. Yeah. Um, but it's still, back then you still couldn't imagine that you'd go anywhere. Like you'd yeah. really go overseas. You couldn't, like we were following, maybe toe to toe had done a bit more touring. Yeah. So we kind of followed what they did. Yeah. Um, because they really opened it up. Mm-hmm. But you still didn't think big. Yeah. Like you didn't think, how do we get here? Yeah, or yeah. we're going to do, like it's just, it didn't really factor. And then by this time, you know, we're mid to late 20s. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and people have got jobs. Life and, was starting to take yeah, more pe- prevalence pe- as well. Yeah, for some of us. I mean, and it depends who you ask too. Like, you might get a completely different story out of Belty. Mm-hmm. Like, Belty didn't fucking work for his whole... He, he used to work hard when he was in a teenager. Yeah. And then he didn't work for his whole 20s in case he got in the way of playing a show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was all about, you know, being in the band and playing shows. Yeah, yeah. So, it just depends. But we never just wanted to... It didn't take off for you guys like that. It kind of, it kind of started working without us trying. Yeah, like we, there was no fucking masterminding. I think we were just at the right place at the right time. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Without without putting down what we wrote or what we did or the hard work we did or toe to toe helping us out. Yeah. You know, taking us out. You know, things like that happened. So people people helped us out, mm-hmm. but we didn't really orchestrate it. Yeah. It just happened, and I, and I think. The band only got stronger the less we pushed. Yeah. Like, we started doing less and then the band got more popular. <laughs> <laughs> so, did did it really take a big turning point for all of you then when Gordy started playing? Like, was that the, the uh, turn or? Yeah, no. Yeah, I think, I think once again, right place, right time. Yeah. But I don't think it would have been what it was without him. Yeah. And I think we finally had a drummer that could do what Belty wanted. Yeah. Because Belty writes all the guitar stuff. Yeah. And writes the songs. So we actually finally had... And we also finally had someone that fitted in with the three of us. Yeah. Like I said, five drummers in six years before that or yeah, seven years crazy. before that. Well, since me and Belty joined the band, it was five drummers in six years. Yeah. Um, And we used to sort of bicker a bit in the band and that. And then once Gordy came, I don't know if was, we are all a bit older or he's a similar kind of dude. Mm. Um, It just kind of gelled. Yeah, and it was weird too because even back then it was a weird concept for someone from Friends or Rom joining a band like mine's there. Yeah, like there was more divisions. Yeah, in the scene, it wasn't. It wasn't as united. People didn't like a broad range of music. Yeah, yeah. Like you're a hardcore dude, or you're a punk rock dude, or you're a metal dude, or, or you're into grind, or like yeah. you weren't going sweet. I love Body Jar and Napalm Death. Yeah, yeah. There were there. Was people that did, mm-hmm. but there wasn't whole collectives. No, no, no. Of people that did. Yeah, sure. Um, and it made, and it worked for us. And we kind of didn't care either. Like we didn't. We just wanted a dude that could play drums well. Yeah, yeah. Would fit in. And I'd already seen him play with Frenzel, and those guys were like, "Oh, Frenzel dude, huh?" And I'm like, "Just fucking, just see how it goes. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, just see how it." And they're like, fuck, this guy knows his shit. Yeah. And then once again, Gordy also grew up listening to the same records as the other dudes in the band. Yeah. So 
we once again found another dude that could fit in that with came, the group. Yeah, like that, that came from that. You know, and those guys that sit around and argue about fucking creator songs or whatever. Like, yeah. Everyone, really, except for me, had that background. Yeah. And I had a broader background. Yeah. But definitely not as metal as the other three. Yeah, right. And so you yeah. just gelled in amongst that where you could. Yeah, it was weird. I just inserted myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny that that, that was such a, a big thing because I remember the first time I... I guess the first time I heard Mindsnare, I was like, oh, this is a this is a sick metal band. And then I'd show my friends who listen, like all my death metal friends, like, no, no, that's a hardcore band. And I was like, oh, okay. What's that? What's that? Yeah. Like, yeah. and then, um, cause I think, and then the first time I ever saw you guys play was at Metal for the Brain. Oh yeah. And I remember at that show, I was like, wait, so... Are they a hardcore band? Because they're playing metal for the brain, so they must be a metal band now. <laughs> and then I sort of ignored what my friend said, went on for years thinking like, oh, there's this they're a metal band from Melbourne. And then when I started playing in hardcore bands, like meeting hardcore dudes, like, man, you gotta hear this band Mindset. I was like, Oh yeah, the the metal band. Like, no, 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 they're a hardcore band. And I was like, What the fuck is with all these people <laughs> telling me all these different things? I don't know what the fuck. It was so funny that that was such a big concern for people. <laughs> yeah, but when you're that age, things sometimes need to be like categorized. Like they need to be in neat little boxes. Yeah, and you got to understand. You yeah. Know what I mean? Well, I think I I I kind of had a funny, just way of looking at it in the sense that I would dive in like super far into whatever band I liked. That's okay. Um, and then would just suss out every single band that they wore the shirts of, yeah. and then. So I guess I... That's sort of, a good way to work. Yeah. Like that's... You seldom come unstuck with that. Yeah. And like just, oh, they're wearing that shit. They must like that band. Yeah. That must be good. And yeah. then that was how I sort of did everything. But I never really found myself stuck in a position other than at the point where I, you know, there was a couple of years where like pretty much all I listened to was death metal and that was all I wanted yeah. to do. Does this come up every every podcast? Yeah, probably. Where you say all I ever listened to was death probably. metal? Because it, it really... I look back on it in the sense that it's a time that there's no photos of me because my mum refused to put me in family pictures because I had long <laughs> hair. So she never wanted to take photos of me. Have you had... You've done four, haven't you? Yes. Okay. Why? I just If, if you ever have him back, you should get him to talk about the family portraits. Okay. Do you know that story? No, I don't. Oh. I'll, I'll, I'll you keep him mental note. You're going to ask him. Um, but there's like this big gap in my life where i just devoted my brain solely to that yeah and that was it but aside from that all my other time being involved with like this sort of thing i always was never trying to make myself just stuck in one direction yeah of course like i always tried to make sure that i was hearing the other things because that's kind of how i grew up and how i learnt about music was through yeah. a lot of different stuff and i think that's but it was really cool when getting into hardcore that like and meeting those people and playing in those hardcore bands in Canberra and stuff that I was like, Oh yeah, I, I know my sound. I, I saw that band at, you know, at Metal for the Brain, <laughs> for the brain. years and years ago. Um, so where, like when, uh, when was like the being in Mindstone and doing that sort of stuff, when did that become you sort of actively contributing more to things in Melbourne, like doing the record label and shows and things oh, like that? Oh, that'll, that was already happening in the mid nineties, like mm -hmm. pretty, pretty, 
soon after me joining the band, I started booking our shows. Yeah. I'm just that guy that takes over. Yeah. I just uninvited. Yeah. Like all of a sudden I'm in charge. And exactly I don't even the want- same thing that happened with me and every band I've yeah. been in. I don't even want to be in charge. Yeah. Every band's got one. Every yeah. band's got one dickhead that does all the work. Yep. And everyone else just goes, oh, I don't know about that, eh? Yeah. Like every band, like going, like you had any idea before you just were forced into doing it. Yeah, fully. Yeah, right. Every band's got that dude, and yeah. I'm that. And but in fairness, I, you know, I push that and I force myself into that role. And then pretty soon you start. Pretty soon, you know, it's like oh, you know, such and such is going to come wants to come down from Sydney. Mm. I was like, well, I've got to book a show for us. So I'm also book a show for them. Yeah. So pretty much by the, you know, mid nineties, I was already booking shows and putting on shows. Mm-hmm. And we used to do all ages shows. I mean, Matt used to book these. Matt used to do, he used to live in this house in Morty Alec and yeah. it was an old milk bar. Yeah. So in the milk bar section, they had like a quarter pipe yeah, sick. And, a, and a PA. Yeah, yeah. In the backyard, they had a lip ramp and mm-hmm. a car, which at one party we flipped on its roof and set it on fire and spun around. <laughs> so he had, he had like a lip ramp in the backyard, a quarter pipe in the fucking lounge. Yeah. And bands would play in the lounge. Yeah. So it was very, and also being down in Frankston, all of a sudden I was hiring, you know, playing, playing in bands and putting shows on for my band and my friend's band. It didn't take me, I'm just geared that way. Yeah. So it didn't, the DIY, I didn't even know what the DIY thing was. Mm-hmm. I was just doing it because that's it's what, what I do. Fell and, then, into, and, then, yeah. and then as you learn about the DIY <laughs> thing, it's like, well, I'm already doing that yeah. because... No one else is doing it for us. Mm-hmm. And then you meet like-minded people. So I got I, I was inserted into that pretty quick. I mean, I started the record label because our first record came out on Deported, which was um, Scott Harper's. It was actually supposed to be on Surgeons. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a seven-inch. And then back then, pressing plants, you can't even understand what the deal was back then. Yeah. It was such a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> so in the end, we got impatient and became came out on Deported. The record sold really well. Sold 500 CDs, mm-hmm. which was... And pretty quickly, they repressed another 500, which is a lot of fucking CDs yeah, yeah. for the mid-90s. Yeah, for sure. You're playing New York-influenced hardcore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the cross with Celtic Frost riffs. Yeah. <laughs> in the mid-90s. Like, that's yeah. a lot of fucking records to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the label was just like, oh, we don't know do the next record. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because it was a failure. It was just like, ah, eh, we're just going to do... Bean Flipper next. And yeah, then we're right. going to do Mutiny. Like yeah. they just, they, they do one record of each of their friends' bands. And yeah. And that's cool too. Like it wasn't, so it's like, well, fuck. I've got something that's, I can go to a distributor and it's tangible. Mm-hmm. Like I've got, we've got a sales history. They yeah, know yeah. we've sold a thousand records without a label that really knew how what to, to do with it. Or yeah, how to push us. Like they just listed it on the distro sheets, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we sold... And of those, I think we sold like 150 in Japan. Yeah, wow. Um, through Disc Union. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know the Disc Union. I mean, you've been in Japan, right? So you yeah. know how many Disc Unions yeah. there are. Yeah. It's like JB Hi-Fi yeah, or whatever. Yeah. We didn't know. So we, I don't even know how we got the phone number, but we rang Disc Union in Japan <laughs> to find out what the was going office yeah, or we, something. We thought it was like ringing or Go-Go Records or yeah. Missing Link or, you know, or like ringing Resist going, mm-hmm. how do we sell 150, like, we had a friend of ours who could speak Japanese, talk to them and stuff. <laughs> but we had a sales history. So I just went to, back then it was Shock, who just wrote the last record going, hey, I want to start a record label. 
because that's what people did that we know in bands. Yeah. Like when you look at the labels of the records that you owned, you know, whether it was fucking Epitaph or whatever. Yeah. It was the dudes from the band started the record label. For sure. So I just started the label. And then once I had that in place, and the first one was that Mindset Credulity record, once that was in place, I was like, well, I'm... And this is how we used to do mail order is you'd put mail order... You know, as you remember, you put mail, like A4 mail order sheets in the records. Yeah, and yeah. you cut them up and fold them up and put them in CDs. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, people are ordering stuff off me or trying to order a T-shirt or something. It's like, oh, Grim Reality, Friends Band. You guys want to do a record? Yeah, yeah. And and then it, that coincided with the pressing plant opening in Melbourne, so we did a 7-inch. Right. And then once again, it's like, oh, well, I've got distribution and here's another Friends Band that yeah. needs to put out a record. Then all of a sudden... It also coincided with the scene building Mm -hmm. and a lot of it had to do with CDs. Yeah. Cheap to manufacture. Yeah. Um, Didn't really matter too much if you didn't manage to flog all of them. Back then, yeah, it didn't... Yeah, it doesn't matter if you get caught with some stock. And you could also, back then, to put extra tracks on was a big deal. Yeah, right. So you could put bonus tracks on. You could do all these different things mm-hmm. now just like you're like oh whatever mm. but back then it was a big deal yeah so it just coincided and then with that you're booking more shows then all of a sudden you're booking an album launch tour for a band because you're putting the record out yeah you got to do that yeah but it's not that hard because you're still ringing that one person in Brisbane that you always deal with or that one person in Sydney mm. or that one person rings you in Melbourne yeah and yeah. says hey I mean this wasn't even an email it was like you ring each other. Yeah, yeah. You talk on the phone about stuff. Mm. You'd actually communicate. It yeah. wasn't fucking <laughs> lol yeah. or ha ha. Yeah. It's like, hey, it took some. It took some, you know, effort yeah, physically yeah, yeah. and yeah. mentally. You had you had social skills. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe the dude in Brisbane was a bit of a weirdo, but you put up with it because he was actually. And you'd work out that he was actually a really good dude. He was just nervous, or he was. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Whereas you'd probably just write that person off if you weren't forced to communicate with yeah. them. You know, like, oh, this dude's a rude prick. No, he's not a rude prick. He's just shy. Yeah. Now, that person's just a rude prick. Yeah. So like I said a lot of them didn't say hello back. Like, <laughs> that dude sucks. Yeah. Um. So it was probably, it was easily mid to late 90s. Or H2O would come out. Yeah. But that was a really, bu- actually, no, Sick of It All came out in 95, mm-hmm. first time. That was a really big fucking deal. We didn't even know who was going to be at the show. Yeah. It was at the Evelyn and it sold out in advance. We were on the show and Toe to Toe was on the show. Yeah. And and a lot of people were like, fuck, who's even going to be at this show? Yeah. And there was metalheads and they knew about it through bands like Sepultura wearing their t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. That's how right. they got into Sick of It All. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, but it was fucking weird because you didn't even know who was going to be at the show. Like, who the mm. fuck's going to turn up to this? And you knew... We're all the people that yeah, like this band. Yeah, there's the, 40, <laughs> there's the 40 people that you see at the art house or, yeah. you know, the art house or the Great Britain Hotel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, knew they were going to come. Yeah, yeah. Where did these other 320 <laughs> people come from? Yeah, yeah. You know? And there's big fucking circle pits as big as a room. You're just like, holy shit, this is like watching a video yeah, yeah. of an overseas thing. Mm. Um. So, I think I've gone off track here. That's okay. But I think we were just talking about when did it... The label and yeah, so doing that sort of it stuff. Yeah, so it just naturally evolved then. And like I said, a lot of it was right place, right time. Like There was a lot of people doing really good shit 
before I came along and a lot harder and working a lot harder at it. You know, when you look at like say Spiral Objective in Adelaide, yeah. you know, the amount of work Greg put in, I think when we first went to Greg's house, how there was just lockers and lockers and lockers of records. Yeah, yeah. You know, just trading records and selling records and buying records and, mm. you know, maintaining that. You know, this, when you talk about Roadrunner, yeah, sure, they had a catalogue, but they had a limited catalogue. Yeah, yeah. And they had their shitty blue grape merchandising company. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. You know, where it's like triple XL hockey, you know, life of agony hockey. You probably bought one. I definitely, I definitely had a Sepultura work shirt. Yeah, there you point. go. Dude, I, I, had an, <laughs> I had an integrity bowling shirt. <laughs> I remember when I bowling bought Bowling shirts were big in 98. I remember when I bought that shirt thinking, oh, this is my nice metal shirt. Mum won't mind if I wear this yeah. to dinner. Yeah, it's, and awesome. I, it's got I think, a collar. Yeah, I think the first time I ever wore it, Mum was like, oh, damn it. Like, <laughs> why are you wearing that thing? <laughs> Fuck. But yeah, so there was, you know, there was definitely a lot of people that worked a lot harder before I came along mm. and helped pave the way. Once again, people did after me as well, you know, and things also got easier. Once the internet came, it just kind of made everything easy. It fell into place. Like yeah, that. like it was... Anyone could get active. Mm. But the funny thing is, once the internet came along, I think less people are active now. Yeah. Because everyone just wants shit handed to them. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't do much. Like, I do fuck all for anyone. Yeah. Because <laughs> I did it for years. Now I'm older. I don't give a shit. Mm. Like, I'm not going to... And who the fuck am I to run a distro? I don't need to run a distro. There's already people that are doing it well enough. Yeah. But the, back then, I think... I think the zines were better. Yeah. I think the zines were better because they had to be... Now, I think most people just do half-ass versions. Right. Or they just do a bit and they just give well, up. There's so much more... There's so many more ways now to, like, take in that content, you know? Yeah, well, look, look maybe, that's, maybe that's why. Maybe it dilutes and just these things, maybe, they, maybe they're just not necessary. Yeah. I don't know. But it seemed to me that everyone back in the day used to work hard and I'm not saying that makes it better either yeah I'm not saying the bands are better because of it I'm not saying the shows were better yeah a lot of the shows fucking sucked yeah a lot of the times we were playing in empty fucking rooms mm. you know and then we'd have to fucking fight the bouncers because <laughs> bouncers back then hadn't seen yeah shit like that and they saw it as a challenge to their masculinity yeah sure you know or they just had a chip on their shoulder like, yeah or it was just dumb, or just you just end up playing bad shows or whatever. Now there's this whole network out there. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're going to Brisbane? Oh, there's four different venues we can play at. Yeah. Between yeah. two and four hundred people, depending on how many people we think we're gonna get. Yeah. And the bar staff, the security, the door staff are all gonna understand what we're doing that night. Yeah. And, and they're all a part of and, it somehow and, as well. And treat us well. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there might have been one pub back in the day in Brisbane that was like that or two. Yeah. Not a collective. Ge- ge- yeah, ge- generalizing. Yeah. Um, generalizing. So it was just different. So it was more called for people to do things. Yeah. You know? Well, it was a reason for people to kick off and start their yeah. own businesses and things yeah. like that. But I was never doing it to make money. No. And you didn't make money. And if you ever had the slightest bit of win, the next fucking loss was around the corner. Yeah, yeah. You know? Because you, could, you couldn't, well, you can't, I mean, still kind of can't, but like you can't predict that, oh, this thing did well. So this other thing that's kind of like yeah. it's going to do well. Like, yeah. no fucking or, way. Or, and it was also, and I was talking to one of the young guys at work about this today, that, you know, back then, 
the touring band, the band from out of town, they got the whole door. Yeah. You come to Melbourne and you play at the Great Britain Hotel and there's five bands on and you came from South Australia, you get the whole door. Yeah, yeah. There isn't a discussion of how do we split the money. Yeah. That's not a discussion. It's like, oh, you, you came from Adelaide? That's it. There's the money. Yeah, you know, yeah. Or you go to Sydney or you go to Brisbane. And it was really, it probably didn't really change until about, I reckon, 97, 98. Mm-hmm. And the Adelaide fucking, that, that new wave of Adelaide hardcore. Yeah. And all of a sudden the money started coming into it. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hang on, we didn't get the whole door tonight. Yeah, yeah. What happened there? And I'm not saying that's good or bad. Yeah. But it's when it changed. But it was just a much different thing. Like you needed the help. People needed to be involved. Yeah, yeah. Now. And also another thing back then, you couldn't fly. Yeah. Flights were expensive. They weren't cheap. Yeah. I think, I can't even remember what that budget airline that came in that went broke really quick. They kind of dropped the prices for everyone. Yeah. But I think back in the early 90s to fly to Perth, it was like $700 or something. Yeah. That's... Crazy, man. 90s money. Yeah, yeah. To Perth. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the hell that airline was called, that budget airline. They went broke, but oh. they brought all the prices down and made it competitive. Yeah, right. Well, like, I mean, that that was kind of... I mean, and I guess it's it's obviously different, but... That was always the thing when we started playing, when I started playing in bands and we started first playing shows again, it's a little bit different from like being here and then being in Canberra was this, the fact that like after we played for a year or two, generally a band would just sort of fizzle out unless you managed to get yourself to Sydney. Yeah. And the first time I ever went to Sydney to play a show was like, hey mum, I really need to borrow the car. And I don't know how I'm going to pay for the petrol, but we'll figure it out. I promise it'll be back tomorrow night or something. And then, you know, we'd all go in mum's car, go to Sydney, play, get paid $40 or something. And then be like, easy cut. Great. Um, Now we got to put in $20 each to get the car back to mum and give it back to mum with like just enough petrol to get to her to the petrol station and stuff (laughs) like that. Thanks, mum. Yeah. But like, I remember. I mean, similarly, when the first time we came to Melbourne was like, oh, fuck, okay, we've got to go to Melbourne. That's like driving to Sydney three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you That's know? six and a half, seven hours. Yeah. And like, fuck, we better get more than 50 bucks if we get down to Melbourne. You know, like, and I remember thinking like, it was a similar thing at the time where, but that was that was there in my mind. But then at the same time, the other side of my mind was like, we're going to play in fucking Melbourne. We, yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's drive okay. mum's car for eight hours and apologize to her when we get home. <laughs> you know? But like, I don't know. I think that sort of, it is a thing of the time that you're in and the place that you're in and the, the scene that you're involved with and the music that you're into, it sort of reflects in the effort that you put in as well. Oh, for sure. Because like, it, at that point... I was more than happy to do whatever it took to just do those things. Fuck yeah. You know? Of course you would. We'd drive to Sydney. We'd drive to Sydney in two cars usually. Yeah. You know? Because you couldn't all fit in one with the gear. Yeah. So you'd drive. And who who knew how to hire a car? Yeah. Or or knew what, how how to arrange it or... Yeah, yeah. You didn't, you didn't... 
like have an account no. with a travel agent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you'd be like, uh, we'll just drive my car. Yeah, yeah. You know, the fucking wear and tear yeah. on your cars. Are Fingers driving. crossed this thing works at the end of it. Yeah, fully. Yeah. I don't think we ever had any bad breakdowns or whatever, but. Yeah. I think I drove my panel van straight to Brisbane once and then worked our way back. Yeah. But yeah, we were always driving our own cars. Yeah. You know? Because that's what else are you going to do? Yeah. No one's going to pay for a fucking van. No. And no one's going to pull money out of their pocket to cover the van. Yeah. Like, it was only once... It was only once shows started getting bigger, all of a sudden you'd have that luxury. Mm. And then you'd meet people and just go, why aren't you just hiring a fucking van? Yeah, yeah. Like, you'll save half the difference by not paying too much in fuel anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because you're paying fuel on two (laughs) six-cylinders. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I had... You know, like I had a Valiant panel van like a charger engine yeah and then matt had matt had a big straight six as well on the ford um, panel van that he had belty had a fucking street rod like he used to drive his street rod around like it was his runaround car he fucking ruined that car (laughs) (laughs) it had had no back seat so he could fit his cabinet in it yeah perfect He's driving sick of it all around. He's like, oh, I'll take you down there and get in the back. And those guys, there is no back to that. Like, is this guy for fucking real? Yeah. It's like, yeah, just get in the back. Yeah, These so guys are sitting in the back on the heels of their feet. <laughs> like, that's what you did. You, d- you didn't have those options. But don't get me wrong, we wouldn't be a band today if we had to sit in a fucking van together yeah. for eight or nine hours each way. <laughs> yeah. We'd either kill each other. Or people's wives would just go, no. Yeah, you're not doing like, that. Like, you can't spend this long away from your kids. Yeah. No. You'll kill us. Like, that's, yeah. that's not happening. Yeah. So, like, for us, well, we're privileged that we can just fly. Yeah. You know? And if the show doesn't pay enough, we don't fucking go. Yeah. It's not about making money. It's but, about covering but the yeah, cost to get there. If, if we cover, we'll do it. Like, the amount of shows we turn down that would make good money where people just offer us dumb money to play dumb things yeah I'm just like no because that's not a, that's also not a good weekend away no like if you're gonna leave you know like Gordy's got three kids Matt's got a kid Belsy's got two kids yeah like if you're gonna leave your kids for a weekend and sacrifice needs to be time worth. away from your wife or your girlfriend or whatever yeah you know, playing some shitty basketball hall for $5,000 yeah, yeah. Like, no no like that's <laughs> the thing that happen. that's the thing that would make your band break up yeah you know, and I guess that's why bands don't last because once people start making decisions based on money, mm. all of a sudden it doesn't go that well because they have these expectations of what they think they should be earning yeah. or what their band should be or how many people they should have. or Yeah. And those, those bands never last. No. Luckily, we've got f- four guys in ours that are happy not playing shows. Yeah. You know? Like we're just, not going to... This year, we're not going to play a show. Yeah. Um, I mean, Belsie's probably the only one I'm sure Gordy lying around with his arm broken probably wished he was playing a show. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, well, in fact, he's supposed to be in America at the moment recording. Yeah. But Belty loves playing him. But it's like, fuck it. Who gives a fuck? We'll play next year. Yeah. And we'll have fun when we do it. Yeah, it's the not, show will still be there. The show will be there. It's not a chore. Mm. Like, it's fun to be there. It's yeah. not... It's not this huge uh, sacrifice to yeah. go play a show in Sydney. It's like, fuck yeah, we're going to Sydney. Yeah. You know, if you start going to Sydney three times a year and you keep you on that treadmill of trying to get your band popular, yeah, yeah, going to Sydney gets boring real quick. Yeah, fucking hell. King Street wears thin real fucking <laughs> fast. Eating at the same cafe and oh restaurant every time. 
should we go to the town hall hotel? Like, that's not a, that's not a conversation I ever like to be involved in. No. I'm going to stop this for a second. I'm going to yeah. do a piss. Okay, we're back. Back Sorry. from the beer break. Let's do a wee. Um, I guess the, the only, like, the remaining thing that I wanted to talk to you about was, like, how, you know, you sort of, I guess, have created yourself an adult life out, <laughs> out of... An adult life. Out of, you know... That started in smoking bongs in a garage now. Like you, through these things, you've sort of created a, a, a career path for yourself. And Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like it's, it's I had, took my mum out to lunch, I don't know, I don't know last month. Yeah. Maybe a month before it was my birthday or something. And I was, we were talking about it, that it's funny. Like I used to listen to that kind of music and she hated me listening to that kind of... I mean, she was all, she was always supportive of anything I wanted to do. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like she was she was great in that sense. And her being a single mother, she didn't get much choice either. Like, I mm-hmm. kind of did whatever the fuck I wanted. Yeah. I wasn't... I wasn't bad, but I wasn't, you know, the model child either. And you weren't constantly seeking her approval or anything? No, no, hell no. I was never yeah. around. Like, I yeah. just kept splitting and... Yeah. It's like, well, what are you going to do? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I was, you know kind of self-centered and all that kind of stuff that you are when you're that age mm-hmm. but i was like shit it's pretty weird that i'm doing okay consider- yeah considering you know you're worried about the kind of music i was listening to and what i was doing <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff but you know what most of it came through hard work like like i said you know like <clears throat> i've you know i first got into the you know, it really started kicking off once I started meeting these people, mm-hmm. whether it was through working in the pub or, um, and probably just being at that age where I was more understanding of it all, but, you know, working in the pub and going to shows with them or from, you know, friends from skating and stuff like that, that you just, you're open to things and I've worked really hard. Like I used to work in this dumb nightclub in Frankston every Thursday, Saturday night. Yeah. So when bands came to Australia, there wasn't many, but when they came to Australia, if they played on Thursday or Saturday night, I couldn't get time off work. Like that wasn't an option. Yeah. So if they played a Wednesday or a Friday, I was sweet. Yeah. You know, if they played Thursday or Saturday, I just didn't get to see them. Or if it was a, you know, like some kind of a landmark event. Like I remember All Came, which was a really big deal. All mm-hmm. Came and it was New Year's Eve 1989. Yeah. Into 1990. And I couldn't go. Yeah. It was the Prince of Wales. I think it was the Prince of Wales, but I couldn't go to that. Like I just, you know, I couldn't get the night off because by then I was already living out of home. Yeah, yeah. Paying rent. You needed the money. That working came with sixty that. hours a week. Yeah, you yeah. Know? like I was doing that from the age eight, you know, from age eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and then I got in. Then I got into touring. Like I worked in pubs and was managing pubs, and I got into touring, and and touring with international bands. So long, you know, it's long fucking days it's 18 hour days yeah yeah you know whether you're flying or driving you're still you know you're crawling into bed at 2 and you got a lobby call at 6am yeah you know, you're doing days and days and days and days so I did that for years so it's like it's like oh yeah I got a job out of this thing but it's not like I just played in a band and the band blew up and I got lucky yeah yeah or I started a record label and you know my mate's band in Silverchair yeah, yeah. Went fucking bananas and I sold them to Sony. Yeah, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like that's, 
it's not that kind of story. My story is that I just worked fucking hard mm. the whole time. I yeah. never, never sat around on my fucking hands. I never had a job where I clocked in and clocked out at eight hours. Mm-hmm. Like I never have done that my whole life. So it's kind of funny that I ended up doing what I'm doing and I'm still involved in it. Yeah, yeah. But I just think that just from working. Yeah. Like I just, I don't think that it's, I don't know. Some people, like a lot of people get lucky and, and, and part of that too is they're like, that's, without sounding like an idiot, that's their destiny. Mm. Like sometimes people discover that band or they go on tour or they start managing their friend's band and then and of course they go on to ma- they go on to manage the biggest fucking bands in the world yeah, and yeah. clearly they were supposed to do that yeah sure Destiny's probably I mean I guess by definition it's the right word but you know what I mean yeah yeah like it's that was the path that they probably inevitably would have they were going to end anyway. up there they're so driven that they were going to end up there anyway sure I'm just an idiot that's always worked hard yeah and long hours and this is where I've ended up and that got you to that place yeah this is just where I've ended up yeah but, it's not, I did, I never, I never, I got out of touring. Like I got out of it. Um, and I was just working in the factory. I suppose I was still doing the record label and I was just working in a factory because I, I got to like 36 or something. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sick of hearing American accents. Yeah. If one more American tells me how good the internet is back at home. Yeah. I'll fucking stab them. Like I'm done. Yeah. It's over. Like I've been to your country. It's not that fucking good. <laughs> like America's not unreal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was over it and I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to work in the factory for a while. I'm going to just keep putting out records because yeah. I like doing it. Yeah. Even then it was, by then the record label was paying for itself, but I really wasn't making much money out of it. Yeah. But I was married back then. You know, my wife, she earned good money. We owned a house. Um, so I could afford just to work in a fucking factory yeah. and have a little bit of extra income, mm-hmm. you know, coming in or, or whatever. But I was, if anything, I was getting away from music. Yeah. And then I got offered this job promoting tours. And I never promoted a tour. Yeah. At that level, I'd organized tours. Yeah. I'd been on, you know, I don't know. I remember I did my CV or whatever for the job. And I worked out that I worked for like some 80 international bands or something. Yeah, right. So I'd been on a lot of fucking tours. But mm. promoting tours is so much different. Yeah. Promoting a tour is so different to just booking a tour. Yeah. Or just having a Being band. Being involved with Or just having that. a band that's unreal. Yeah. And people just love the band and they're going to turn up. Mm-hmm. Like that's not promoting the tour. No. Promoting tour is like going, well, you know what? I'm risking $65,000 here. Yeah. I'm going to make sure that we get 200 at that show instead of 180 or, you know, we're risking $400,000 here and we need 700 people at the corner hotel not 650 yeah otherwise yeah. we just lost five grand on the show yeah yeah like that's fucking hard work and i never i never planned to get into it, it yeah. just happened by chance yeah you know like it's if i didn't get that job offer I'd, i mean i don't know where i'd be working now but it wouldn't necessarily be music yeah and i don't even know if i'd fucking care yeah because i still i still buy records yeah i don't go to shows like i used to because I've been going to shows for 25 years mm. plus 30 years. If you include all the shows I went to when I snuck in when I was a kid. <laughs> so I've been going to shows for 30 years. It's really hard to get psyched. on going, getting off the couch and going to shows when as you, know, you get so old. Mm. But then the funny thing is when you actually do fucking go, you really enjoy it. Yeah. Like you go there and you watch bands and you get psyched. 
It's yeah. like, fuck, this is sick. Like, I need to, I always do this. I go out and I'm like, I need to go more often. Yeah. And then I'm one of the last people to leave because I'm just chatting to everyone that I haven't seen for a while or mm. like genuinely stoked to be there. Yeah. And then the next show comes around and it's like, oh, I've got to do something else instead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I've got to go do this or I've got to do that. Or it's that one night I've had off because I've done five things already that week. Yeah, yeah. You know, by default. So yeah, I didn't choose it. It just... It just led that way for you. Yeah. I was never like, oh, I need to... I need to... I love music. I need to be in music. Like, I'm not that fucking dude. Yeah. You know, or, or like, you know, there's when you look at people that record, you know, recording studios and all that sort of people, they probably start off doing sound as a favor to someone. Yeah. I don't know how many of them actually plan. You know what? I'm sure a lot of people played those dumb fucking schools money. Yeah. I did. Yeah. And, and then, then never did anything it. with it. And then yeah. all, all the dudes that are doing stuff are probably yeah. people that didn't go to well, the fucking dumb schools. The, the conversation I had with Fuller was he just started recording things because he was like, how am I going to make a blood duster record? I guess himself. I'm going to have to do it. Yeah, there you go. Like, and now he owns a big studio. Yeah. Whereas I paid a couple grand to go do it. And, oh, my mum paid a couple grand for me to go yeah, do it. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, fuck all happened with that. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, good, it's good that you got the knowledge. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't I didn't plan it. Mm. But I've been real lucky too. I'm lucky, yeah. that, I'm lucky that I wasn't one of the guys kicked out of the band. <laughs> You were one of the five drummers. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't one of the five drummers. Yeah. Though some of those guys were pretty happy to get the fuck out <laughs> and away from us. So what is um what is in the, the fold for yourself and mine's now now? You record a new record. Uh we recorded a bunch of songs. Yeah. And we're definitely gonna do we're gonna do one, maybe two seven inches. Okay. Um I don't know what's gonna happen there. I've gotta to talk to Graham at Resistance is gonna do it. We're definitely doing one seven yep. inch. Um, I guess, and it'll come down to, we also recorded some covers and stuff. So it's like, oh, are we going to put some covers on? What are we going right. to do? Um, but we had to, it, it's been seven, eight. Oh no, we put out the split. The ringworm split was in like 2012. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. It was a few years ago now. I yeah. think that was three songs maybe. I can't remember what was on it. Yeah. Before that was 2007. Um, so yeah, it's been a while. So I think, couple seven inches is enough yeah i don't know if the world needs any more than that <laughs> i guess they'll, they'll decide yeah but um it's been fun like writing songs again well not that i write them but like being learn- a part of that yeah process. learning learning songs again and you know we're just talking about fuller like we recorded with fuller yeah um and then we sent it off to kurt from converge at yep. god city to mix it sounds fucking great mm. um it sounds better than any of our other records yeah it's awesome most of our records don't sound that good and, I, and <laughs> People like them just because they either like the songs or they associate the songs with us live or what for whatever reason. But yeah. sonically, they're not amazing sounding records. Sure. Like you can't put them on and go, "This stacks up against something else." Mm-hmm. Whereas this, I believe, does. Yeah. I mean, great. I was really, I was really happy with the Ringworm split. Yeah, songs that, as that's well. great too. And I that was once awesome. again that was Fuller. Yeah. And I think Fuller's got a really good ear and Kurt and they're both the way they work. I think. You know, the drums aren't sound replaced. Like, yeah. guess what? Our drummer hits his drums. Yeah, like, and he's good at it. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And then if he hits a bit lighter in one section, because it's a little harder, then he hits a bit fucking lighter. Yeah, yeah. And that's feel, and that is what it is. And it's not drum replaced. It doesn't sound like... Mm. Like, so many fucking records these days, like, you hear the kick drum sounds like a snare. Yeah, yeah. It's like two snares just fighting each other, like a deeper snare. Yeah. Like, it's so retarded. Yeah. And I get it for certain kind of music, but those guys make 
records. Yeah, yeah. And they'd make, they'd have you sound like you want to sound. There's no trickery. Mm. So, yeah, we're, we're, it's just been mixed. It's about, we're going to send it somewhere for mastering that we've never used before. You, you know that Brad Boatwright dude? Yep, I do. You played with him? No, uh, maybe. Yeah, you wouldn't even know the fuck you played with, would you? I've played with a lot of people, mate. All that's, all that's, especially all the pissed. European festivals and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just drunk. Yes, I, Just, oh, I love that band of that record. I'm not going to watch them. No, I do know who he is, though. Yeah. He masters a lot of things for Taylor from Twitching Tongues and stuff. Oh, as okay. Well. Yeah. yeah. Well, who's in that From Ashes Ryan's band and yeah. a few other things. But, um, so we're going to master with him. I don't, you know, that's where Kurt's sending most of his stuff these yeah. days. Apparently, he's very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And like I would know the difference. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend that <laughs> I'm like, go, oh, oh, it's loud? Cool. Perfect. Yeah. It sounds like what Kurt did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. So we've got that. And I guess with Gordy breaking, you know, most people know by now, if you know anything about the band, Gordy broke his arm. Yeah. And he's on a long process, like yeah. a long shitty. Yeah, I talked to him the other day about it. Sounds fucked. Oh, you did talk to him? Yeah. Yeah. You should get him in here all fucking. I'm going to. On oxy and whatever we've pills talked and, about it yeah see think what, we're gonna try and do it on the box hill rsl see what pills of wisdom you get out of him <laughs> but um yeah he's still heavily medic like it's you know he broke his arm and it's the arm is not it's the it's uh, a fucking brutal it's, break it's, yeah well, it's not even the break though it's them damaging all the nerves to fix the break yeah right that's what the problem's been mm. like he didn't lose because he lost all uh, movement in his hand and his elbow and all that kind of stuff mm. but that's from the repair not the break yeah right so he's going through that and I don't know how long that's going to take so it's going to be a long time before he can drum again and we're not going to like we'll just wait yeah it's not like our career is on fucking hold yeah it's like oh well, we just don't book a show yeah yeah Um, and you know and here's the thing I spoke to Graham from Resist and Graz is unreal I'm like hey Graz are you cool with us pressing these records and we're not going to be able to play a launch show yeah he's like nah it's fine yeah he's like let's just do it yeah like it's gonna sell or it's not gonna sell yeah we're not gonna go like we're not gonna go on the road and support it we don't like touring too much we can't we're yeah. everyone's too busy so it's gonna be an easy <laughs> easy so six, when it when it's out it's out <laughs> it's gonna be an easy six to twelve months in yeah. Stand world <laughs> just like the last six to twelve were <laughs> and whenever Gordy's arm can be functional again you'll play a show yeah there's no hurry like yeah. realistically it doesn't really matter yeah there's a bunch of bands out there playing shows every weekend you know yeah so there's always something to go and see fuck yeah go see that alright well I think that's a pretty good way to end it mate alright thank you for coming to my house cheers for the beer oh, my pleasure brutal